Welcome, everyone, to the Southerville Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, my name is Pastor Paul Seymour. I'm one of the elders here at Southerville Church, and I'm joined by my good friend, our lead lead guy, lead pastor, Pastor Pat Nemers. Thanks for being here today, Pastor. Great to be back with you, Paul. He uh, opened the Word of God to us this past week from James chapter 3, and we're going to be talking about a, a topic that would uh, it should be very dear to our hearts, something we should be chasing after. It's wisdom. Right, We need wisdom in our lives. We are to value it very highly, Scripture tells us. And one of the Scriptures you brought out, Pastor, uh, was Proverbs 12, verse 1. And it says, He who loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is... Stupid. Stupid. Now, I, I love idioms, Pastor. I love uh, the, the good old sayings. There's the... Uh, Dumb as a bag of hammers. Uh, there is the, uh, what's the one? Uh, dead from the neck up. And one of my personal favorites, about as useful as a chocolate teapot. Have you ever heard that one? Oh, no. I don't <laughs> I never remember heard that one. <laughs> but it's funny. Okay. And it all describes people that are stupid. Mm. And you described a, uh, a, a an instance in your life uh, where someone someone challenged you with some correction and we we talked before about uh, this pastor how sometimes everyday occurrences have really profound impacts on yeah. us. Yeah. And so, can you talk about that for a second? How has that affected your life, uh, your trajectory, even as a believer? What you've learned from that? I don't. Uh, I don't live in fear. I really don't. Uh, but the illustration, if you'll recall, is that the morning, the morning of the rebu- the rebuke came in the evening. I. I worked at UPS and I and and we worked from like 11, 11 o'clock at night till three in the morning, and it was earlier that day that I'd read Proverbs twelve verse one, <laughs> and was just you know I just thought it was just it made me laugh. I I, I think I I may have audibly laughed when I saw the word stupid, <laughs> and uh, and then I just thought you know that it it's so true. Yeah. You know he who loves instruction loves knowledge. Oh, we all love instruction. We love knowledge, and he who hates correction. Well, you're just stupid, and uh, and so I mean, just like I have to memorize that. And but it was really helpful in the whole idea of the whole Neapolitan aspect of wisdom, which does incorporate knowledge, but it isn't knowledge alone. Because I had not at that point, I had knowledge, and I not only had knowledge, I'd memorize it. I could, you know, I could you I could weaponize this knowledge if I needed to. But instead, God said it was. It was, it was very spiritual because it was as if God from heaven was saying, great, I do want you to memorize that because I'm setting you up for something tonight. <laughs> and that, you know, as I said, the message that was that night that a guy uh, confronted me on my sorting. Now, you know, I'd been doing it for three weeks and I wasn't that good at it. <laughs> he was really good at it. And to top it off, he was a close friend of mine. It, that, mm-hmm. that just aggravated me even more because it wasn't just some schmuck, you know, telling yeah, me that yeah. I wasn't very good at something. He was a friend, and uh, you know the, the, you know the, uh, you know the. It's the friend that loves at all times. That's right, and uh, and sharpens you. So that's one of the go. things we say around the counseling offices often is that the people that say the hardest things to you are often your your best friends. They're the ones that love you the most because they're not willing to just let you go along to get along. Yep. they want yep. you to be better. So, yep. you mentioned just now the uh, the Neapolitan. That was that was one of my dad's favorite ice creams growing up. And if you know about Neapolitan, it's the the three flavors, right? Mm-hmm. It's the three flavors in one. I think you mentioned one there. Explain the Neapolitan thing a little bit more to, to folks. Well, I said, you know, the Neapolitan is a particular kind of ice cream that mm-hmm. has three flavors, vanilla, chocolate, and strawberry. But you remove any of those uh, 
those flavors. And it's not Neapolitan. You can call it something else, but it's not Neapolitan, you know. And uh, it's this, and I use that as an analogy for wisdom, that uh, wisdom incorporates knowledge, it incorporates understanding of that knowledge, mm-hmm. and then it, uh, it incorporates the thing that James as well, and all wisdom books eventually get after. What are you doing with what you know? Yeah. And the application or the experience of it. What are you doing with what you know? That's mm-hmm. good. Um, speaking of pulling no punches, that Proverbs 12, one doesn't pull any punches. It says, if you hate correction, you're, you're stupid. Yeah. Yeah. About as useful as a chocolate. Teapot, <laughs> right? uh, you're stupid, but there's also a, a section here in James when it talks about, uh, it differentiates wisdom, uh, two different kinds of wisdom, which mm-hmm. you talked about in your sermon and doesn't really pull any punches there. It says the wisdom from below is demonic. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe you can just speak to that real quick, just to set this up a little bit more. D- how, how do how do we different? What are what are the different um, uh, kinds of, of wisdom here that James chapter three tells us about? And how do we differentiate between those in our lives? Well, I think you know we. I, I knew this was a pretty serious message, so I thought we had. I threw a little levity in there. You know, <laughs> you have wisdom and wisdom, wisdom you know, yep. to go along with the stupid part. You know. <laughs> But there isn't anything funny about the wisdom part of it, is there? I mean, this is, it's listing things like selfish ambition. So really, it really, to answer your question, I think we have to ask ourselves, what is really internally driving us? Mm-hmm. You know, if there's selfish ambition, you know, for whatever notoriety, you know, to ascend in the, you know, in whatever area you happen to live in, or... um you know, that's, he likens it, he likens you then to a politician that's canvassing for votes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I, I'm a, I'm a pastor. I'm as you are, I'm a preacher. You, we tee you up on rare occasions, but that's not your, that's not your shtick. You right. don't love to preach necessarily, but you know, when preachers, you know, we, we prepare our heart, we prepare like crazy with our heads and with our hearts. And then we preach our hearts out and, it's very affirming when someone affirms you. They tell you, uh, you know, this really appreciate, and they give you something substantive about your message or whatever. And it's it just that it, it's that you just, I, it's, you know how it is when somebody affirms something you've done or you've said. And uh, you know, I, I, I can confess right here, right now, to I have canvassed in my life. I have, can, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm saying it. I have canvassed for kudos. Mm -hmm. And I'm ashamed to say that I have done that. And God forgive me for so doing. I don't ever want to do that again. That phrase popped out at me when you were preaching the message, canvassing for kudos. You Mm -hmm. said, is your quote, if you're canvassing for kudos, you're not just proud, you're stupid. Mm -hmm. This is wisdom. And this is why Solomon wrote Proverbs 27 two: let another man praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. Yeah. And you know, so when I, I said that I often say that, you know, I have to hold the mirror to myself before I, mm-hmm. I, I, I put it before God's people, the mirror of God's word for people. And I, I wish I was perfect or good at that. I mean, I'm okay at that. I, I, I do think I'm getting better at that, but I'm preaching to myself here. Yeah. I'm not just preaching to you. And, yeah. uh, I don't want to be, cause that's not, that's not wisdom. That is, I, I'm sorry. I, we need to clarify something. That is wisdom. Mm-hmm. But it's not wisdom from above. Mm-hmm. It's wisdom uh, coming up. And I use the word percolating on purpose because, you know, you think of something that's percolating, it just, it just, it just always kind of there. And it's just, yeah. and, um, 
and then of course he he says it's earthly it's it's natural or sensual or unspiritual i think is how the esv put it uh and it's demonic i mean that and that you know it's it's descending everything just keeps it might be coming up from above but it's descending and it's in in uh in its uh in its ways so um I do think that we have to be, we just have to judge ourselves. Why are we doing what we do? What's moving us? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I used an illustration of uh, someone, because the flip side, of course, is that the wisdom that's from above is pure and is peaceable. Mm-hmm. And of something that happened in, in fairly recent days, I, you're familiar with what I'm talking about. And it was an individual that had, had crept in and really mm-hmm. wasn't creating anything peaceable, was really stirring up as much as they could old sins and uh, uh, trying to kind of throw an umbrella over the church. And it was just really ugly. And there wasn't anything, there was nothing kind about it. Listen, we need to, you know, we could be having a podcast about how to confront somebody in their sin. And that's a legitimate, that's, that would be a legitimate podcast. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about somebody whose motivations, as it turned out, were clearly not, uh, coming from above. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so I do think if, if we are honest people walking with Christ, we need to ask ourselves, why are we doing what we're doing? And, uh, that will help us a little bit along lines of whether this wisdom is coming from above or below. So let's talk about a little practical application. I'm glad you brought that up, but you did talk about the instance where, where someone has, has crept in and I'm sure that that's happened more than, uh, more than, uh, what you can count on one hand in your pastoral ministry in your time. So how would you, how would you encourage uh, the people of our church and certainly other believers and other Bible believing churches? How would you encourage them to, to combat the the wisdom from below when they see that, when they see those those disruptive things coming in and things that are, are, are trying to get us to not follow Ephesians chapter four, endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Yeah. How, how do we confront that in wisdom? Well, I do think that it's inevitable that we're going to have issues and problems and there will be problem people. Maybe, and they're not all evil men and seducers that are creeping in. You know, that's the most nefarious of them all. Yeah. Some people are just dumb. They're just stupid. Yeah. They say <laughs> stupid things and they do stupid things, you know? And uh, we don't want to say that to them. That's not very nice, not very pastoral, you know. But uh, uh, it's a little bit like uh, I had a... Uh, I met with a, somebody very dear to me in ministry several weeks ago, and he was asking about our ministry and, and recognizing he he had pastored small Baptist churches, like most pastors have in our circles have done uh, for their lives. He served the Lord very faithfully all of his life in, in, in numerically small churches. And he was looking at the size of the of this particular church and the engaged network and the breadth of the whole, all of this, and he just thought that, uh, man, you, you know, given all the impact that you have had, and he was actually being very kind, but he said, you have had to have some Herculean evil thrown at you. There must be a target on you and all this. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with these problems when they come up? And, you know, I, I, um, I thought about his question for a few moments and I thought, you know, the first thing I do, I want to do is give glory to God for his kindness. He's just been very kind to us. I, none of this is deserving because Amen. we've got some kind of a formula that works. But yet God does, you, God does guide us through his word. And I told him, I said, 
our philosophy is when these things creep up, be it nefarious or otherwise, or just out of ignorance, you you got to get after them. You don't have to be mean spirited, but you got to get after them. Mm-hmm. You got to have conversations. You got you you need to talk to somebody. You need to have, and I I, I said you need to get at the friction before it becomes an infection. Mm-hmm. And I was telling I was telling a dear friend of mine on we had a little hiatus, a little vacation last week with some friends of ours, and I was uh, I gave that line to him. You we uh, we need to be um, we need to get after things when there's friction before there's infection. Mm-hmm. And he says, yeah, because when there's infection, there's usually pus. And that's, <laughs> we have stupid and strong, pus is really gross. <laughs> but you'll get pus unless you have infection. And you don't get infection unless you've not dealt with this problem. Yeah. First. And uh, so it's just uh, an illustration, I think, of, of uh, to answer your question. Try to get after things quickly. I, I, I just, let me just stretch this out a little bit further. Mm-hmm. I had a conversation with one of our pastors in the Engage Network who had an issue recently with somebody and they were in the church and, uh, and it wasn't a big, big deal. Uh, but I appreciated what he did. He went right over to their home and they he spent two hours in their home. They just talked. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, he understood that person better. And I'm certain they understood him better. And I think he avoided the he he avoided the infection. Mm-hmm. There was some friction there, mm-hmm. and I think because we are who we are, procrastination is always there. And you might yeah. have an excuse, or it's not that big a deal. We, not everybody gets along, you know. Whatever. I mean, we're not all meant to be best buddies. Let's just move on. <laughs> Sometimes that is the case, but other times I think it's just really, really wise to lean into those situations, and you'll avoid the infections. Mm, so good. Um, I, I, w- I would really like you to talk about this, Pastor. You you uh, gave a piece of advice from from Colossians, a, a, a certain uh, interpretation of Colossians you let uh, let loose in our elders meeting a couple of weeks back, and I've just loved it um, ever since. And I've probably <laughs> I, I told you I think I've I've gotten a lot of mileage out of that in the counseling office over the past couple of weeks because it's been working on my heart, and so sharing with people has been really a joy. And, and very impactful. So um, I, I'd like you to, to talk about that for a moment. And, and that is uh, from Colossians 3.15. And, and specifically, how does one, someone who's listening to this might, might be saying, I have a situation in front of me. I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm looking in the, in scripture and there's no chapter and verse and I, I, and God's not writing in the sky for me. I don't know what to do. So how do I apply wisdom in this situation? I just think that's gold. So I want you to to, to maybe expound on that a little bit. Well, uh, Colossians 3.15 says, you know, uh, let the peace of Christ rule mm-hmm. in your hearts. Now, that sounds pretty subjective, and it is subjective. Uh, I mean, it's at, on, by the same token, it's real. Mm-hmm. I mean, it has to be real because we're told in Scripture that it's real. The peace of Christ I think we rightly understand that to mean the green light. I mean, the, this is the direction I need to go. It's not, you know, it's not like black and white, but I sense the Lord's leading to go this way. Mm-hmm. And I used the illustration of the yield sign. Yeah. You know, to me, that was very powerful. I, I, I shared the message. We're sharing again, being in Brazil several years ago with one of our <laughs> missionaries, and, he, and we were coming on a, up on a yield sign. He just blew through that thing. And I mean, I'm literally clinging to the back of the seat. And, uh, and he just laughed out loud. He just roared out loud. He looked over from the steering wheel. He said, he said, Pat, 
down here, <laughs> yield means go and stop means slow. And we just, and we laughed, but I thought, oh my goodness, how do you avoid absolute catastrophes down here? Uh, we all know what a yield sign is. It's not a, it's not a stop sign. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not a green light. Mm-hmm. It's a yield. It's more subjective. Mm-hmm. And um, I think, you know, when we don't have clear, a clear message from God's word on which way to go, then we have to, then we, then we look at it as a yield sign. Slow down, look both ways and proceed with caution. That's what a yield sign is telling you to do. Mm-hmm. And, um, but when you enter into an area, uh, an intersection with the yield sign, there's a place where it's like, yeah, I'm safe to go. Mm-hmm. I, there's nobody coming. This yeah. is, I'm okay here. I have the right of way. And I think spiritually speaking, because that word um, rule, that let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, it's the only time the word is ever used in the Greek New Testament. And it means to umpire. Mm-hmm. And I, it's a great, it's so great because anybody so great, who knows yeah. anything about sports knows what an umpire does. <laughs> and you may not like it, but he's the one who makes the call. He's safe. He's out, you know. And uh, that's what God's peace does with those situations which we don't have a hard, fast, green light or stop sign. Yeah. And uh, when, the, when the traffic is clear, so to speak, you go for it. If you recall in the message, I gave an illustration without getting too uh, detailed about how a friend of mine uh, here uh, at church uh, and I, um, uh, we both were discussing a certain situation and we both saw yield signs and we did the thing that our missionary did <laughs> with me. We blew right through it <laughs> and we had a spiritual fender bender as a result. But that was our, that was on us. Yeah. We should have, we should, we didn't have peace and we went ahead. That's not a smart thing for you to do. And by the way, I would say this as well, just to conclude this part of segment of our podcast. If you don't have peace about something, a lot of times that just frustrates you, but that's, a, that's God's leading. Mm-hmm. That's God's leading. Mm-hmm. That's God's leading to say, don't move forward. Yeah. Um, I'm reading a book, a uh, second installment, uh, I can't remember. It was Ellen Vaughn. I can't remember. By it's called Being Elizabeth Elliot. Mm-hmm. It's a very provocative book, actually. And uh, you know, Elizabeth Elliot gave me advice when I was widowed. I wrote her about my wife Marilyn, and uh, she gave me great advice. And it was almost as if she she didn't use the the yield sign illustration, but she might have. And she basically said, you know, if you have peace, keep moving forward with this. And that is, that's the governor for our lives, peace or lack thereof. If you don't have peace, that's God's leading to stay put. I was, uh, I was thinking that I would, I would encourage our audience and the same way I would encourage anyone who I've ever coached in basketball. And that's don't argue with the ref, right? Don't argue with the umpire. (laughs) If he gives you peace, if he says stop, if he says go, um, be, be in the, that place of settledness where you're trusting the Lord and, uh, and following his lead. I'm sorry. I didn't hear anything you said after I coached basketball. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think I coach basketball? <laughs> I'm just teasing. I'm teasing. <laughs> oh, this is good. Um, there's a uh, wisdom books in scripture, of course. And, uh, I don't, I think pastor, you might do this. I know our family does this. We try to uh, be in, in Proverbs, 
um, for the the days correspond uh, with with the days of the month in yep. general. And uh, there's so much wisdom in Scripture, and um, in also we also include in that a, a book that is uh, dear to my heart because it's a songbook, the Psalms. Mm-hmm. And in Psalm one forty one five, which you you brought out, which uh, David wrote. Uh, let a righteous man strike me. It is a kindness. Let him rebuke me. It is oil for my head. Let my head not refuse it. Now, of course, David had written that, and you referred to his growth and humility over the trajectory of his life. So why was he um, a man after God's own heart? And and the other part of that question is, how can we be? How are you, how, how should we encourage people in, in our own hearts to be people after God's own heart? Well, um, and I, I argue that I don't know that it was the only thing, but I think it was a huge reason why he's described. And his New Testament epitaph is he was a man after God's own heart. Acts 13 tells us that. And it's because, and I just start thinking randomly, I mean, so random that I listed moments in his life when Abigail, who would ironically become one of his wives, but uh, when she approached him and kept him from killing her husband, who ended up dying anyway of a heart attack, uh, the time he cut Saul's cloak in the cave, the time he was pridefully numbered his troops, and the time Nathan, the prophet, confronted him after his sin with Bathsheba, and even Shimei, who the least known situation, he was that guy who was chucking rocks at him as he was <laughs> running away from Absalom. In every case, his conscience was very much alive, mm-hmm. uh, very tender, and, and, and in, in some cases, just outrightly repentant, but in every case, very tender. And even uh, just the other day, I, I happened to be reading uh, in my Old Testament Bible reading in First uh, Samuel, and I read about Doag, uh, the Edomite, who was uh, on location when David was running from Saul, and he ended up at a high at, at the high priest Elimelech, and Elimelech uh, gave him the sword of Goliath, fed the fed his troops, and Doag uh, told went back to Saul, told on Elimelech, and uh, uh, and of course Saul would use Doeg to kill that priest and so many others, 80-some of them. And when the one son of Elimelech escaped the sword and made his way back to David, I just was arrested by the fact that Mm -hmm. David's first response was, that's on me. I, I saw him, and I knew. In fact, I knew he would probably do something like this. I mean, the death of your family's on me. I mean... That's an amazing admission right there. And that's a man after God's own heart. I love, 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 love that. I want to be more like that. Very sensitive, not hypersensitive, not weirdly sensitive. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be that guy who confesses every time I turn around for things I don't really need to confess. But to be sensitive in my spirit uh, about motivations, things that are done, was I the cause of this or whatever, that's wisdom. And that was really all under that was all under the uh, that expression in James, which says, you know, being open to reason and being willing to yield. I love that expression, being willing to yield. I don't find that very often. Mm-hmm. Remember, I said the opening part of my message about I, countless people. I have a person in mind, a, uh, a friend. We're really not friends anymore. I mean, I I, I would con- consider him. I mean, I I love him and. 
he's going to heaven and all those kind of things, you know. <laughs> but this is many, many years ago. And this was a guy who, would, who was constantly debating, constantly arguing, liked to argue all the time. And, uh, and he would constantly say things like, if I'm wrong, just tell me. If I'm out of line, just tell me. If I sinned, just tell me. And so one day I pointed out his sin. It was pretty clear to me and to others <laughs> around me. He just debated, argued, and never would. So it's all this grand grandstanding about you know being the person open to uh, criticism, but really he wasn't open to criticism, mm -hmm. and that grieved me. Really, it to be candid, that was the beginning of the end of our of a deeper that at one time was a deeper friendship. That saddens me. I, we should be the opposite of that. Yeah, we should be more like David. And David did some nasty stuff. Let's be honest. That's right. But that didn't keep him from being a man after God's own heart. And I would say that to our listeners, Paul. Mm -hmm. You could be a woman after God's own heart. You could be a man after God's own heart for all of your foibles, for all of your screw-ups, and for all of your sins. And we're not excusing any of them. Mm -hmm. But be one with a tender conscience who's willing to confess their sin, turn back to the living God who is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. We need to be willing to speak the truth in love and also receive the truth in love, right? Amen. We need to be willing to not just be uh, to love each other enough to say hard things to each other, but to also be humble enough and yielding enough to take those criticisms and, hey, there might be a kernel of truth in there I need to work on. Paul, I, I can't believe you just said that because... I told you I, I've just started reading about six, seven chapters into this book on being Elizabeth Ellis. Very provocative book. The author tells us in the first or second chapter that you know she she has uncovered uh, aspects of Elizabeth Ellis's life that has heretofore not been told, and they are eye opening. Mm -hmm. She was still a woman after God's own heart. Mm -hmm. I'll just say that. But the author, having learned it, went to visit Elizabeth Elliot's grave uh, out east. And uh, she talked about visiting the grave and the quote that was on. There's a beautiful quote. And for some inexplicable reason, she saw a gravestone right in front of Elizabeth Elliot's. And she walked in front of that gravestone and cleared the grass away. And she was talking to God at the same time, wondering, should I tell all of Elizabeth's story that I'm learning? And she cleared what should I, she said, Lord, what should I do? And she went around to that gravestone, cleared the grass that was had grown up over the stone a little bit, mm. and it said, speak the truth in love. Mm. And she said, mm. right there, I tucked out of the sign from God. That's what I was supposed to do. <laughs> so I love the fact that you quoted that, that Ephesians uh, 4, I'd say Ephesians 4.15, I think. Eh, I might check my, I don't know about my reference right there, but... One That's of the, what the Bible says. One of the things that we say, uh, I, I also do music here at Citadel Church, and one of the things that we say in our rehearsals is that we have to to uh, be constructively critical of each other, but we do it speaking the truth in love. And, and because if you're not willing to say, hey, that was that note was wrong, mm. or you're a little flat, and people have said these things to me before, and that's I'm grateful for that. Uh, not only do they do they love you and want the best for you, they also want the best for the team and for the song and for God's people as we lead them in, in worship. Because when you are either unwilling to speak the truth in love, say what's true, and also unwilling to receive the truth and make changes in that context, then you then you practice what's wrong. Mm. You, keep, you practice what's wrong together. Mm. And so you mm. will always do what's wrong over and over. 
but if we correct each other and we we point each other on the the the, the correct path it's it's good for everybody amen that's a great final word on this subject of wisdom thanks paul thank you pastor pat let thank you for everyone for joining us today uh, for the state of real podcast we're thankful you've uh, been with us today and for uh, 2023 thanks for listening and being willing to grow in your walk with jesus let me pray for us as we uh, as we wrap up today lord thank you uh, for your wisdom from above help us to um, have the uh, the ability to differentiate between wisdom from above and wisdom from below and help us to uh, reject the wisdom from below and live in in your truth, walk in love and build each other up um, in our faith so that we could look more like Jesus. We thank you for your mercy towards us. Help us to live the rest of this day for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks, everybody.